Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. I want to talk to you tonight about the compassions of God. I want to talk to you about love. I want to talk to you about faith, but especially about the compassions of God. And uh, we're, a, <clears throat> we're a trail mix family. Anybody in here love trail mix? This is really deep. <laughs> But there are some very key components to trail mix. And everybody knows that some of those main components to trail mix is peanuts, uh, raisins. If you don't have raisins, you don't have trail mix. Can I get an amen in victory? Uh, if I was to pull my daughter up and ask her what is that key component, she would say Reese's Pieces. I think if I asked my wife, she'd say M&M's. <laughs> But we are a trail mix family, and tonight I was thinking about uh, just the components of this message and how um, the Scripture even tells us that faith works by love. Faith works by love. But tonight I want to specifically talk to you for the next few moments and just see how the winds of the Holy Spirit blow me concerning the compassions of God. So let's just put our sails out tonight. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit blow you. Amen. Let him blow in your sails tonight and take you and speak to you tonight. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the winds of the spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Hmm. I pray that this is rich tonight, Lord. I pray that there's a true impartation blowing in the midst of us tonight. I thank you for your sweetness already, Lord, and just continue to feed us right out of your presence, right out of your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. In Luke chapter 10, I want to begin to read in verse 25. Jesus tells this parable of a good Samaritan. He says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and he tested Jesus. He said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, well, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus. <laughs> what a setup, right? And he wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and, and who is my neighbor? Hmm. And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down to Jerus from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell amongst thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And so he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring the oil and the wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out 12 denarii, gave, gave it to the innkeeper and said to him, take good care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will come to you again and I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell amongst these thieves? And he said, he who showed him mercy upon him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. What I want to establish tonight as we get cresting out on the waters this evening of this message is that Jesus is the pattern for our life and for all ministry. If you're taking some good notes tonight, write that down. Jesus is the pattern for our life and for all good ministry. What I've been praying tonight is that we will be able to crawl up into the eyes and the heart of the Lord tonight. 
and that we would begin to feel what the Lord feels. Now, that's a brave prayer when you begin to pray that way, that, Lord, I want to feel what your heart feels. I want to see what your eyes see. That's a brave and bold and courageous prayer because when you do, the Lord will begin to reveal things to you that will cause your own wells of compassion to begin to burst. And I pray that tonight by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about compassion tonight. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, it says, Those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and they are the daughters of God. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, it says literally that faith works by love. Faith works by love. Several years ago, I had a miracle encounter from the Lord. And I'm actually going to tell that story at the end of this message to bring closure to it. But I had a mighty encounter from the Lord that turned into a miracle. And through it, this is what I heard the Lord say to me. He said, son, if compassion can be turned to faith, then you can access the miraculous. Write it down tonight. If compassion can be turned to faith, then you can access the miraculous. One of the things that I continually learn throughout the reading of the Scriptures and through my own life experiential knowledge with the Lord is that oftentimes to get to the miraculous, the doorway or the road that will lead you there is a road called the ridiculous. It is a place called ridiculous that often leads you through a doorway to the miraculous. You read it all through Scripture where it literally looks absolutely ridiculous, and it's the Lord opening a door, a doorway unto you to step through into a place of the miraculous. I'm talking tonight about the compassions of God. Where I learned in my young life concerning the compassions of the Lord for my own heart was at a place called Jesus Today Outreach, and it was an outreach that my father and my mother ran for 10 years from 1981 to 1991, and it was a ministry on the streets of, to the streets of Peoria, Illinois, where my folks and my dad's team and his staff took care of street people, they took care of the homeless, they took care of drug addicts, gang members. Um, It was a very raw, it was a very intense level of ministry. I think one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in my young life was that I had two parallel tracks that were working for me, that we had a very powerful, life-giving, spirit-filled church, but we also had a very life-giving, powerful, raw, evangelistic parachurch ministry running side by side. And for me to grow up around these type of individuals that were struggling so in life and to see them coming to the Lord, seeing them experience the delivering power of God, it changed me. It changed me watching street people and and gang members and prostitutes come in to the building and into a service and begin to watch and observe and begin to enter into a meeting and then come to the redemption of the gospel of Jesus Christ and encounter the Lord. So many nights, my parents and the staff, they would take these homeless people out to dinner on the weekends. And we would be up till midnight, one, two in the morning. We went to a specific Italian restaurant all the time and I would watch so many of these people feasting like kings. And in those years growing up watching these people celebrate, I saw joy that's unexplainable. I saw a beauty that's just, it's unexplainable. I believe that when I look back in my young life, this is where I begin to tap into the compassions of Jesus. Of seeing these people who had very, very little. 
and yet were celebrating and rejoicing. There was a raw power of love being expressed. It went into my young heart. It was the compassions of the Lord. In Mark chapter 6, in verse 34, we, we see this. Actually, I'm just going to have you turn there for just a moment. Mark chapter 6. I'm going to go ahead and begin to read in verse 30. It says, When the apostles gathered to Jesus and they told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught, he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. And they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew, and they ran there on foot from all the cities. And they arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw the great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And so he began to teach them. Look at it. It says that he had compassion on them. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36, the telling of the story, it says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In Mark chapter 8, you go through the Gospels, Mark chapter 8 and verse 2, it says, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days, and they have nothing to eat. Compassion. What is compassion? It's a feeling of deep empathy and and sorrow or sympathy. It's a feeling of deep sympathy for one another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to elevate the suffering. Hear that again. What is compassion? It is a feeling of deep sympathy or sorrow for another that has been stricken by misfortune and accompanied by a strong desire to elevate them from suffering. A synonym of compassion is this. It means to be merciful or to be tender to. To be merciful to or to be tender to. See, Jesus was not only just in tune with the spiritual destitute of men and women. He was also very in tune with their very physical needs that men and women had. And it appealed to Jesus. I want us to get an understanding for this. It appealed to Jesus. People's physical needs appealed to the senses and the very compassions of Jesus. Let that sit a little while on you. Even when Jesus introduced himself in a synagogue in Nazareth where he opened up the scroll of Isaiah where he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And I want us to get that clear understanding that Jesus, see, the anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. The anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. Jesus was not there just to be sympathetic in their place of poverty. He was sent there by the anointing to destroy the yoke of poverty. To loose, come on, to loose people out of that place of poverty or that poverty lack mentality. He is the chain breaker. Come on, he is the chain breaker. He is the deliverer of captives. He knew his identity. He knew why he was sent. He knew why he was anointed. But he was moved with compassion in his spirit to go and rescue those that needed deliverance. He's my deliverer. He's your deliverer. He's my deliverer. He's your deliverer. He was moved with compassion. In Matthew chapter 14, in verse 14, it says, When Jesus landed on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, he saw the large crowd, and he had compassion on them. And then look at the next words. It says, He healed their sick. You notice that? He he looked upon them. He saw them. He was moved with compassion, and he healed their sick. When Jesus saw the crowd, 
Moved by compassion, it says literally five times in here. He was moved by compassion. Five times you're out here. When you look at a crowd of men, when you look at a crowd of people, you have to, you have to consider this, folks. That there is a multitude of pain that is represented there. There is a multitude of life's experiences. There is a multitude of sins that are present there. What do you feel when you look upon a crowd? I'm asking you. What do you feel deep inside you when you look upon a crowd? Wow. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8, there's this epic commission that Jesus he says, as you go, he says, I want you to preach saying the kingdom of heaven, it is at hand. And as you go, I want you to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, for freely you have received. Now go and freely give. This is an epic commission. An epic commission. But I want to tell you at the very core of this commission that these apostles, these disciples, watched how the Spirit of God moved and worked inside of Jesus. They watched him as the crowds were pressing, as the crowds were running around the Sea of Galilee. Literally, when, when our team was there, we went from Tiberias up to Capernaum. And I could, see the, I could see the massive crowd running. Think about that. From Tiberias up to Capernaum, that by the time that Jesus was able to, his feet would hit the ground, there was the multitudes, and there he was moved with compassion. And, and the disciples are looking at one another, and it says that the day was far spent. They were tired. They didn't have any time for R&R. &R. They had no time for food. And then they look at Jesus, and they're seeing his eyes swell with tears. And they're looking at one another going, he's He's, he's doing that compassion thing again. <laughs> We're not going to Arby's anytime soon, guys. <laughs> but it says that he healed their sick. I love this. Wow. When I look at this, I see what was drawn out of Jesus by the bowels of compassion. What came up out of him when compassion began to brew inside of his heart and his spirit? What came up out of him was healing virtue. What came up out of Jesus was healing virtue. It says that Jesus had compassion on the blind. You find this in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 34. It said, Jesus had compassion on them, and so he touched their eyes, and immediately they received sight, and they followed him. Jesus had compassion on the blind. Write it down tonight. He had compassion on the blind. Jesus had compassion on the demonized. He had compassion upon victims who fell to the power of unclean spirits. In Mark chapter 9, we begin to read this in Mark 9. You can pick it up in verse 22. It says that there was a demon-possessed boy. And often this demon spirit would take this boy and it would throw him into a fire and it would try to kill him. Or it would throw him in the water and try to drown him and kill him. And the boy brings, he's brought by his father. He says, if you can do anything, he says, take Pity on us and help us. And in verse 25, listen what it says. It says, when Jesus saw the crowd running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit. He said, I command you, come out of him and enter him never again. This young man may have been very repulsive to many. He may have been hated by many. Think about that. But Jesus beheld this young boy with compassion. We're going somewhere tonight. Jesus was moved with compassion for this boy. Jesus had compassion upon the leper. In Mark chapter 1, in verse 40, 
It says a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. This moves me. When I read the Gospels, this moves me. A man with leprosy came and he begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, filled with compassion, reached out his hand and touched the man. And he said, I am willing. And then he said, be clean. Wow. The world, even the religious world of that day, they met the, le- the lepers with repulsion, with disgust, with scorn. But Jesus met this man with compassion. Are you with me tonight? See, the world would draw away from the leper, but Jesus drew towards them. Are you getting that? What am I saying tonight? I'm saying that compassion will draw you and take you into desperate situations. I'm telling you that Jesus will lead you into places of darkness to bring the glory of his light by moving you in your spirit by compassion. To take you where you thought you couldn't go before. I remember when the Lord said to me that, son, if compassion can be turned to faith, then you will be able to access the miraculous. I'm going somewhere with this tonight. Religion will keep you from your true ministry. Religion will keep you from your true ministry. But God's love and compassion will break every chain to get you to these people. Jesus had compassion on the ones that were bereaved, those who were mourning the loss of loved ones. Some of you that went with us to Israel, you'll remember when we were in Nazareth on the, the mount where Jesus, where they took Jesus to throw him off, and we looked through the valley there, and you could see the city of Nain. You'll remember this. And in the city of Nain, you find this in Luke chapter 7. I'm going to read just a couple verses tonight. I know I'm using a lot of Bible. (laughs) We use the Bible here at Victory. Make no apologies about using the Bible. In Luke 7, it says, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. And he raised him to life. Wow. Wow. (laughs) This is epic. I mean, Jesus knows how to crash a funeral. (laughs) You know, this is the only recorded record in Scripture that Jesus was met with a funeral procession. And then we see Jesus, his compassion moved towards a mother and the mourners. Wow. Jesus had compassion on those who were caught in sin. You all right? Jesus had compassion on those who were caught in sinful habits. Those that were lost. Those that were spiritually dead. In Luke chapter 15, it's a story about a prodigal son. It says, so he, he went up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. I love this story. In Luke 15, I want to compare something here. In Luke 15, in the first two verses tonight, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered. (laughs) This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. God was trying to show us, Jesus was trying to show us that our Father 
He is filled with unfailing, undying love. He is filled with great compassion. We have a high priest that that is actually moved with compassion for us because the Bible teaches us that Jesus was actually tempted in all like manner. He is moved and has affections and feelings towards you and I when we are facing the trials of life. He is a God of great passion and mercy. Are you here tonight? Jesus had compassion on all men and women that were afflicted by any form of misfortune or wretchedness or degradation. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 5, we're we're traveling some mileage, aren't we? (laughs) It says, he looked around at them in anger and in with deep distress at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. What am I doing? I'm, I'm just simply walking us through the simplicity of the gospel to show you that these men that were being mentored by the ultimate leader saw a man that was moved at the core of his heart by the compassions of his father. Compassion. Compassion. If your compassion can be turned to faith, then miracles are accessible. If your compassion can be turned to faith, then miracles are accessible. See, the litmus test for everything in the kingdom of God is does it come from love? And then Paul writes us and he says literally that faith comes, it, faith literally works by love. Jesus came bringing a revolution to throw every system, think about this, every system that was not born of love away. Why? Because the absence of love is the root of all evil. Love is the litmus test of whether something is truly from God. Love is the litmus test of what is the kingdom. What is the kingdom? The compassion of Jesus was, it wasn't just manifested in just mere feelings or words. I want you to catch this next point. I'm trying to help us all tonight. I'm trying to help Brian. I'm trying to help us all tonight. Listen. The compassions of Jesus, they were not just manifested in mere feelings or words, but his compassions launched him into an action. And that action actually was able to tap into an unseen source of power. A source of power was being accessed when he was able to dig deep down in him into that bowel of compassion. So back to Luke 10. But the Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. I'm in verse 33. God's love and compassion took action. Everybody see that? His love and compassion actually drove him to an action. I'm not trying to rhyme and be poetic. (laughs) He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he poured in the oil and the wine. He put the man on his own donkey. He took him to the inn to take care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins, gave it to the innkeeper and said, Here, take good care of him. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra money or expense that you may have had. Which of these do you think was the neighbor of the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Wow. In the final analysis by Jesus, the good Samaritan is the picture truly of Jesus. Jesus did not go about the work of his father from a cold, disconnected heart of it just being a sense of duty. He didn't, did he? Are you with me tonight? He didn't have some cold, disconnected heart, like it was just some sense of duty. No. 
This was brewing on the inside of him because he was moved with compassion. Compassion. Wow. I'm moved by this. I want to say to you tonight that compassion will cost you. Compassion will cost you something. Jesus' own compassions cost him something. It actually cost him great heartaches. Jesus, write this down tonight. Jesus made other men's sorrows his own sorrows. Jesus made men's agonies his own agony. Jesus actually made other men's sin and shame his own sin and shame. This was his divine assignment. He was the redeemer. He was the savior. I'm going to take you to a scripture tonight. It's found in Isaiah 53. And I'd like you to go there. See, Jesus could not look at the misery and the plight of people, folks. He could not look at pain. He could not look at sickness and death. He could not look at sin without his heart being pained. I'm asking you tonight, what do you feel when you see the crowd? What do you feel when you look at America? What do you feel? When you look at this generation, where does your heart go? Have we insulated our hearts so much that we refuse to feel the pain? In 1997, a man of God named Randy Clark came into my life, and we were just having a one-on-one talk after a meeting. And he said, he said these words to me. He said, Brian... I believe that the reason why people do not enter into healing ministry is because they refuse to feel the pain of what people are undergoing. I believe that. Because when we tap into the compassions of God, I believe we're able to be launched into the supernatural. I know this is strong language. But I also believe this, that if you do not begin to hate sickness and disease and what it does to people, you're probably not going to have a healing ministry. If you do not hate what lack and poverty does to people, you're probably not going to be used to launch them and bring them out of the captivity of that bondage. The truth remains that, you know, the sin that we tolerate and that we don't hate in our own lives, we're not going to do anything about it. Sometimes our love for God is literally manifested in what we hate. We have to hate evil. Poverty is evil. Poverty is evil. If it wasn't, Jesus never would have been sent with the gospel to the poor. Do you have your thinking cap on? He was sent to the sick. He was sent to the brokenhearted. Why? Because that's where the compassions of God flow like a river. In Isaiah 53... Verse 12, it says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. See, compassion cost Jesus. It cost him. And it will cost us. I had an experience. My wife and I had 
we hadn't been married not even a year, and I had gotten sick, and Bren being the voice of wisdom and counsel in my life, <laughs> said, Brian, please go to the doctor and be checked out. And I said, oh, no, honey, I'd rather not. And I grew worse, and she kept saying, would you just, just go and get checked out, go to the doctor? And I said, no, no, I'll be all right. Three weeks deep into this of me complaining and kind of barking back to my wife, and she said, go to the doctor and get checked out. So after three weeks, went to the doctor's office. It was a walk-in clinic that was connected to Ohio State University. How many of you saw the Ohio State Buckeyes win today over Michigan State? Glory to God. Back to the message. So anyway, <laughs> glory to God. No. So I went into this clinic, and, and as you do with any walk-in clinic, you, you fill out, you know, a mountain worth of paperwork. And I was really frustrated, and I was, I was complaining to God. I call it prayer. I was complaining to God, and I was filling out all the paperwork, and and I, I just sat and sat in the front area there and waiting to be called in. And, and so I, I was just about ready to get up and leave. I was so frustrated. I was like, man, Lord, this is such a waste of time. And so finally the nurse came out, called me in, and she said the doctor would be in to see you. And it, it seemed like another hour before the doctor got there. And, and um, I, had, I had just this weird situation. I was really dressed up. Uh, that day, and I had, even though I was so sick, I had promised um, my brother-in-law that I would go cold calling with him, and so um, he would go into a company, and I would go in, and he would introduce himself, and he would say, this is Brian, and and I, I would just go in to pray that he would have favor and just bless the atmosphere and pray that he would get a voice to the vice president or the president, so that was my job, and so... I was dressed up. I promised him I would help him. And so the, guy, the doctor says, so you, know, you really dress all fancy. And what, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm, I'm a preacher. I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a, I'm a minister. And um, it was a very unique thing. The, the, it was like the atmosphere just completely changed in that office. And the, the doctor just became hostile towards me. Um, very, very unprofessional very unprofessional and began to tell me what he thought about ministries and ministers. And I, I was embarrassed. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And um, so he, he ranted and raved and did his thing. And, and I, just, I was just in awe that this was happening. Like, I, this guy is vile. And now I'm, now I'm offended. Now I'm angry. I'm like, God, I don't even want this guy touching me. I, I I mean, I'm your buddy, and here I am asking him for help. He's mocking me. He's mocking me. It was, it was such an awful thing. And so, anyway, it, it was demonic. So he, he left the room, and uh, the nurse said, well, he'll be back soon. And, of course, I knew that was not going to be true either. So I, I got up. I, I put my, you know, shirt and jacket on. I got up, and I, I went out in the hallway and just began to walk the hallway. And the next room, ne the room next to mine, I, I began to walk past it. And I looked in, and there was this elderly gentleman that was leaning over his wife. She was laying in the bed, and their foreheads were touching. He was right down, and they were talking very gently. And I, I just, I, I walked past, and it just caught my attention. And then I walked back by and kind of blended into the wallpaper and kind of watched them having this engagement, this talk. And I, I went from being offended, honestly. I was so offended that, I, number one, that I was there. I felt like it was such a waste of time. Didn't want to be there. I was, I was upset with how the doctor had treated me. And the reason I tell the story this way is because you can be offended and God can use you. <laughs> it's when you get over yourself and check in your offense, and then begin to move in the compassions of the Lord. And that's what happened to me. That I went from being upset to I began to pray for this couple. And I looked in at the lady. She had this large tumor on the side of her neck. And her husband was bent over her, and he, they were having this intimate conversation. I was moved. Something triggered in me. I was moved. And I thought, oh, Lord, you know, who? Who are these people? What, what are they going through? What is happening? 
So I kept walking up and down the hall, and I'd just kind of fade, you know, like I said, into the wallpaper. And I was watching this couple, and I started praying over them. I started praying over her. So then I went back in my room, and I shut the door behind me, and I went up to, to the wall that connected my room and her room. And I put my hands on the wall, and I just began to pray and make declaration and healing and the Lord's virtue over them. And, Lord, I just declare quality of life, longevity of life over this woman, whatever she is facing, whatever's happening in that room. Lord, I just pray the spirit of death goes. And I just started praying. And I was, I was moved out of the compassions of the Lord, the feelings of the Lord. So finally the doctor nurse came back in and they gave me the paperwork and um, he, he had checked and swabbed my throat, did all those things. And, and so they had a few things to say to me and then um, we walked out of the room and we went into the hallway. And when I went into the hallway, now the husband and the wife have now moved from the bed and they're in the hallway. And this, this makes absolute sense or no, no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And that's why I say that oftentimes the miraculous comes to you through the door of the ridiculous. When I walked out into the hallway, the woman was bent over and she had her hand on the tumor and she had a little styrofoam dicky cup in her hand. And her husband was walking. He, he, he was around her and helping her walk over to the drinking fountain to get a glass of water. Now, I just looked at that and said, that makes no sense because that's not what husbands do. Husbands leave their wives in a bed and they go and get the water and bring the water back for their wives. Ladies, can you say amen? amen. I mean, as soon as I saw it, I just went, oh, Lord, this is such a setup. <laughs> and so I stayed quiet and I watched him just getting her across the hallway to go to the drinking fountain. And I stayed very quiet. I just walked up to him and I went around them, but I touched her elbow where she was holding her neck. And I touched her elbow just to release the virtue of Jesus and to pray over her. I stayed very quiet. Nobody knew I was praying. Nobody knew I was interceding. Nobody knew what was happening in the exchange between me and the Lord. And it was just a touch. It was a moment. It was just a just a. One, two-second moment, moment. We're talking about compassion tonight. And I walked on. And now I'm at the front window, and I'm filling out the final paperwork and a check. And until I hear the lady screaming in the hallway, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> I looked back into the hallway and I looked at that woman and that cancerous tumor was off of her neck. She was crying. Her husband was in shock. I 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 was in shock. Did I say I was in shock? The doctor was standing there Looking at her, he was stunned. Stunned. I can hear it. He had these penny loafers. He took off running. I'm, I'm not kidding. He took off running down the hall towards me. And he ran and he just stopped and he just slid a little bit and he just stared at me. He just, he just looked right at me. And I just smiled at him. I turned around, I didn't say a word. I turned around, I walked out of that office, and the, when I walked out of that office, I was completely healed. <laughs> I was completely healed. Now, I sat, in, I sat in the car before I drove home to Brent to tell her what the Lord had done. And I started weeping. There's a lot to this story, and I've just kept out a lot of details tonight. But this is what I heard the Lord say to me. Son, when compassion can be turned to faith, then you will access the miraculous. 
That's what I heard from God. That's what I heard from the Lord. Jesus said in the last days that the love of many will grow cold. I just want to submit it to you like this. That our, Jacob led us in a song I've never heard before. and It's, it's about the busyness of life. If I, could, if I could just spend some quiet time and pull away with the Lord. And just say worthy. Something happens in our hearts where we get recalibrated. With quality time in the presence of Jesus. Because our hearts are just. Our hearts are just ravaged by so much. In the news and in the world and in our nation. And there's, there's crisis after crisis after crisis. I mean on the way here. I'm praying over our president. I'm praying. I'm praying that the wisdom that comes down from above. That is first pure is released into our president and our vice president and our military and our leadership for what is going on on our very borders right now. I'm, I'm, I'm declaring that. And, and we, we move from one crisis and one campaign and one fight to the next and to the next. But what I'm so abundantly aware of is that the Lord wants to spend quality time with us and minister to our heart and our spirit and our soul in such a way that we get recalibrated that we're able to move in His compassions again. That we move in His compassions again. Because if we do, this is the roadmap to the miraculous. This is the roadmap to the invasion of the Spirit. This epic commission that Jesus said, go and cast out demons. Go and heal the lepers. Go raise the, the dead. These men were mentored by the King of Compassion. Faith works by love. If we lose that, then we've lost everything. I have to get it to a place where I'm with Jesus to where I begin to feel the bowels of His movements for my generation. Where I can cry again over my generation. Where I can hurt again. Where I can be moved with the feelings that God has for our generation. That's the kind of life I want to live. I don't want to live a life that is just sanctioned off. And insulated off to the affections and the wounding and the hurting and the sins of a lost people. I want to look upon the crowds and I want to be moved with compassion. I don't want to look upon the crowds and be looked at or look at them and just be cynical and critical. I don't want to live a life of being a cynic. I want to live a life that I'm so moved by the compassions of Jesus that I feel it again. Because when we do, then we'll be driven to real ministry. Real ministry. Where will those rivers of compassion take you? I don't know. I don't know. But it'll be the life-giving, transforming power of God that will move through your life. Through doors that seem so ridiculous. God will move you into places of the miraculous. You'll have the words of life. You'll have the prophetic word. You'll have the tangibility of miracles in your hands. You'll bear His presence. You'll bear His very image. People will behold the glory of the Lord seen in you. They'll hear Him in your voice. They'll hear Him in your voice. It says of Jesus, it says that they divided Him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because He poured out His soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many. And he made intercession for the transgressor. 
Jacob, would you come tonight? I'd like you to just put your Bibles aside. I feel like tonight if I was looking for the right trail mix, (laughs) I'd make sure that compassion was in the back. Because if compassion was missing from the back, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. We have to be people of love. We have to be famous For his love. We've got to be people of faith. We've got to be people of compassion. Can God quiet our spirit? Can God quiet our lives? Like we sang about. That we asked about. For the Lord to do tonight. Can can the Lord do that? Can the Lord pull us away from the busyness of our lives? the busyness of the world, to spend alone time to say, God, God, make me soft again. Make make me tender again. Make me a better listener to where people are really at. My wife and my kids know some of the situations that lately I've been brought into that only the Lord brought me into and wanted me involved in but it has caused me to find that sweet spot with Jesus to say oh God how we need you oh how people's lives need the transforming power of God oh how people need a real word how people need redemption. Oh, how people need justice from the Lord to come into their life. Compassion. Compassion. So, Lord, I love how you've just moved in this meeting tonight. I love what you've done, Lord, and just orchestrating the movements even in our worship, that seemed to just set a tone for where we would go tonight. And I thank you, Lord, that there are rhythms of your grace that are moving in this place, rhythms of grace, rhythms of grace that are moving, Lord. I want to bless you as my friends tonight. I want to bless you as my brothers. I want to I want to bless you as my sisters. That this week would be a week that God quiets your soul and stills you. And that you look into the eyes of the Lord. And you begin to see what he sees. You begin to feel what the Lord feels. What he he burns for, you will begin to burn for. That he would show you the power of his love. That burning love where he is wanting to go into that darkness and release the power of that love. That brings deliverance to captives. Deliverance to slaves. That opens up the prison bars to those that are bound. That brings the opening of sight to the blind. That brings freedom and cleansing to the unclean. He had compassion upon the blind. He had compassion upon the sinner. He had compassion upon the lame. He had compassion upon the demonized. Lord, Lord, 
We care about your feelings. We care about your emotions, Lord. We care about your dreams, Lord. This is a, a company of people that cares about your heart. We care about your heart, Lord. We care about what is on your heart and your desires. So I say, Lord, take this company of friends and lovers and watchers and warriors and worshipers. Take this company. Woo us into the chambers of your heart, Lord. And commission us into these places, God, where you dreamed for us to go. all over the sanctuary tonight. Thank you, Lord. If your compassion can be turned to faith, you can access the miraculous. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, woo us. Woo us. I believe that the Lord is going to raise up powerful healing ministries here at Victory. I believe they're already in-house, too. Healing ministry. Deliverance ministry. Ministries of compassion and power. Power. Ministries of compassion that will launch us into action to really engage the soul of our city. Ministries of compassion that will launch us to touch the heart of America. I believe that. I believe there's a heavenly calling upon this company. That God wants to release us into the very heart and the soul of what must be healed in this nation. I pray for us, dear friends, that we are saying to the Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, here am I. Here am I, send me. So I bless every one of you to receive the invitations from the Holy Spirit. I bless you to say yes to the Lord and just show up. Show up where He says to show up. Show up where He says go. But Lord, what will I do? What will I say? Just show up. Trusting the Lord will give you the strategy. The Lord will give you the word. He's given you his anointing. And you'll see the miracle powers and wonders of God on your behalf as his ambassador. You and I are his ambassadors. Hallelujah. With every hand lifted across the sanctuary tonight, Honey, would you just come up and join me? And we just want to stretch our hands out over you tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bless your commission as an ambassador to bring his presence, to carry his heart, to release solutions, to give the victory of God. To this world of darkness. Every one of you are burning torches. You are shining lights amongst a generation that is corrupt and perverted. 
you shine as stars. You are burning torches. I bless you. Brent and I bless you to run the race this week, to be strengthened in your own callings, to be victorious in the battles that you are waging right now. I declare the victory of the Lord over you. Honey, take my hand. We just declare the victory of the Lord over you tonight. (laughs) Be led in the power of the Spirit. Be moved in the compassions of Jesus. Be moved in the compassions of Jesus. Why don't you declare that over your life tonight? Lord, I'll be moved in your compassions. I'll be moved in your compassions. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord praise in the house tonight? Come on, can we give the Lord praise in the house tonight? Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.